All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast for Thursday, March 12th, 2020. I am your host, Detroit sports writer and longtime Red Wings fan, Noel Bianchi, here today, as always, with my lovely co-host, Ethan Smith. What's going on, everybody? Yeah. Well, kind of a lot. It's a lot in the world of sports, a lot in the world of... Uh, world. Yeah, just a lot, a lot in the, in the world, world. A lot in the world of general. World stuff. Of, yeah, world stuff. A lot in the a lot in the world in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Uh, we got the coronavirus going around. We don't. We're we're gonna address that. I think on Friday's episode. But uh, the situation right now with the coronavirus is, other leagues and sports have been updating kind of their plan for how to handle the rest of the season, the upcoming weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of in an hour by hour basis, and from one hour to the next, you kind of—it's hard to understand kind of what the situation is. Very fluid right now. Yeah, situation—that's that's a very good way to put it. And we're afraid that if we're if we start talking about stuff and start breaking something down for ten minutes, that our podcast could be dated in twelve hours, and we don't want to do that. So yeah, and we do want to talk about that, like the rest of the season, the implications that it could have on the Red Wings. Stuff like that. I'm I'm sure like the Red Wings are the team who needs to be concerned the least about being affected by this pandemic, uh, by giving up the rest of their season. I'm sure they quite out quite honestly wouldn't mind. Uh, we would mind though. We wouldn't have a lot to talk about. The Red Wings lost since the last time we talked five two to the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, breaking that two game win streak. It was fun while it lasted. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit. There was some scrums and uh, also some interesting notes from. Steve Eiserman's Q&A with Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic. I do want to uh, touch on a couple things there as well. Like we said, uh, Red Wings lose 5-2 on Tuesday night to Carolina at home, officially clinching last place in the NHL. 18.5%, baby. First time since 85-86 when uh, a certain GM was just getting a start in the NHL. I believe Eiserman was in his third year during that year. But yeah, they're officially the worst team in the league. I don't know that there was any sort of, you know, really any feelings that came with them clinching that. We all know knew for a long time that it was going to be the case. Uh, when you're in contention for the worst team in the salary cap era, you're obviously going to be the worst team in the league. But it's kind of, you know, it feels kind of good to just get it out there. I mean, we've been there all year. So it's it's nice to just have it wrapped up. I just wish we had another first round pick. That wasn't in the playoffs in the bottom five like the Ottawa Senators, but you know we can't all be <laughs> we can't all be the shit show that is the Ottawa Senators. So, so the Red Wings on Tuesday night uh, didn't play the worst game uh, through two periods. They were tied two two heading into the third. Things collapsed on them pretty quickly, as we've seen throughout this season. Uh, the Red Wings, you know, being competitive early in games and then falling apart late. But Christopher N got his second of the season. Madison Bowie and Darren Helm each had an assist on that goal. And then Tyler Bertuzzi continued his uh, his success as of late, scoring in the first on a power play goal assisted by Anthony Mantha and Philip Peronik. So those were good things to see. The final result was not, but we also got some old-time hockey. We saw it a couple weeks ago with the Devils. These boys like to throw down. There was multiple scraps in this game. The first one uh, was at the end of the second period. Mantha gets crashed into by Van Riemsdyk. He, ta- he gets a penalty, a very undeserved one, a terrible, terrible call. Uh, Aronik 
skates over and starts chirping Van Riemsdyk as he's laying down there on the ice while Mantha goes to argue with the ref over the call that was just made. McGinn doesn't like Horonic uh, skating over to chirp his guy. Stahl throws a punch into the back of the head of Horonic, and all hell breaks loose. Robbie Fabry shoves his glove into Jordan Stahl's face, makes him a little bit bloody. Stuff we love to see. Uh, I don't know. That's fired me up. What about you? I know. We have a bunch of gamers on that first line. A bunch of guys that just, it's every single scrum that night and most nights, it's our first line. Mm-hmm. And Philip Peronic. I know. And like Ken Daniels even said on the broadcast, he's like, oh, when both fights broke out, or like when the first two or whatever, I can't remember which ones exactly, but Ken Daniels even pointed out on the uh, broadcast, he's like, yep, Heronic's a guy that's going to do that to you. He loves to chirp. I love that, like, to me, I think. It's one thing if your guys are out there and they're taking stupid penalties in games that they're losing or something along those lines. But these, like, it's not like that. It's not like these guys are just aggressors or taking their anger out on people or taking stupid penalties. They just love to throw down, and when the situation arises, they're not going to back down. It's, you know, it's, but now that the pressure is off this team, I don't understand two years in a row how they are elevating their game and playing like they're going to the playoffs. I think it's it's got to be just the lull of how horrible this season has been and how bad this team is that it killed them. But it just looks like they're having fun and sticking up for each other now. And that's pretty cool. I know. And the best part of it all is that, like, my – I mean, I, as soon as these things break out, I'm like, where's Tyler Bertuzzi? Because I know he's out there. I mean, he got in a – he was, like, right at the center of that whole thing at the end of the Devils game, like I mentioned before. And then in each one of these uh, scrums that happened on Tuesday night, he's, you know, the primary one who's being held back last or the one who's, like, their biggest concern about him trying to fight. It's he's, – he's, he's – if he's not your favorite Red Wing already, I think he's very well on his way to becoming the favorite Red Wing for a lot of fans. And I don't know if you noticed this too, but when he's in a fight – other than when he scores a goal, his face looks like he's going grocery shopping. <laughs> and I appreciate the hell out of it. He's he his face always looks like like that kid in class who would like always start trouble and then the teacher would be like, Hey, Tyler, what are you doing? And then he just like, What? What like he's genuinely has no idea. Yeah. It's that that's my favorite hockey player. I love people like that. He can keep his composure, and I think that's probably the funniest part of it to me is, yeah, he's already always down to try and whoop some ass, but at the same time, he's always down to just be calm. It's all good. I'll be in the middle score of Score 25 it, goals a year. Score 25 goals a year. And I think while we're talking about Tyler Bertuzzi and appreciating that side of him, there's something to be said about Anthony Manta as well because he always also seems to be in the middle of these scrums, as well as Robbie Fabry and Philip Peronic. Uh, you know, Dylan Larkin, he's not too much in the middle of it. That's fine. You don't want your captain dealing with that kind of stuff. But the other guys who are taking up the most minutes at their respective positions this year, they just love to throw hands. You know, just they're really the only ones doing much of it. Besides Darren Helm, <laughs> there really isn't too much going on in the roster. So, I mean... Oh, more power to him. You gotta do. You get, sometimes, sometimes you gotta put the team on your back and fight somebody. One thing I'd love to know is, and this is only, this is a situation that will you know become apparent over time. 
but I would love to know how much of that aspect of their game is going to be a factor in like potential dominance. And I guess what I mean by that is the fact that we have talked about at length what this line can be when they're healthy, when they're playing with chemistry. And they're confident. When they're playing with confidence. And I just wonder, maybe when that pressure gets lifted off of them a little bit, when they start, when the Red Wings are able to start putting together second and third lines. And who knows, you know, how how things are going to shake out if the uh, if the Wings get Lafreniere, if the Wings get a game-changing player at center or, or a, at the wing or whatever. I mean, there's a possibility that this line gets broken up over the next few years. Who knows exactly how everything will transpire. But if this line stays together as the Red Wings become a contender, I would love to know how much of the physicality and just like kind of just like the love for crazy, because that's a sense that I kind of get. You know, I, you obviously get it from Tyler Bertuzzi. Just he's just the wildest dude. Uh, but I also kind of get it from Anthony Mantha. I get the sense that Anthony Mantha loves to use that physical edge out there on the ice, and I wonder how much of that part of their game will you know affect how dominant they are later on down the road. Philip Peronic too, definitely. Yeah, as a guy who's who plays the most minutes on this team right now uh, on a nightly basis. You can expect that he's going to be in the middle of, of tons more of these altercations later on down the road. And it's different when you're losing. It's different when, you know, you're the last place Red Wings and you're playing, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning as they come in. There, There's not hostility there like there is when the team is a contender. And so I just can't wait to see when this team is in, like, hostile games, when they're going into enemy territory about a, a, against a fan base that gives a shit that they're there. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is going to happen then? How crazy is this line going to be? And I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm speaking on all of this strictly from a pure entertainment value as well as, you know. I mean, when you look at a team like Boston mm-hmm. with that lineup that they have, this, which is undoubtedly the best line in hockey, has been all year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasta. There's second to none. Nobody's coming close to them yeah like what that team does i mean you really got bergeron just kind of you know i guess like in a larkin role in terms of you're not really seeing him yeah a selkie guy yeah but bert with marshawn could you could compare to bertuzzi and the way he's he plays that rat game i mean he plays it to a t but bertuzzi's like the you know more calm he's not gonna do the cheap stuff that Marshawn does, but he is going to be that guy that's in every single scrum. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when this team is confident, like Boston has been all year, that first line is in the same ballpark as Boston's. Uh, yeah, just in terms of the makeup. And, like, I think you can even relate Anthony Mantha to, like, uh, you could even relate it to definitely not, like, skill level or anything that like that, but just, like, Pasternak's role. The where role. Like, yeah, he's the scorer. He's the big guy who's not afraid to mix it up who's not afraid to throw hands uh and i think you make a good point with with the marshawn thing and comparing him to tyler bertuzzi yes tyler bertuzzi's not necessarily a rat like marshawn is but i think tyler bertuzzi is going to be a guy that pisses a lot of opposing fan bases off i think he's going to be a guy tyler bertuzzi is is the ultimate (laughs) 
I shouldn't say is the ultimate, but Tyler Bertuzzi has potential to be an ultimate, you hate him, but you'd love him if he was on your team kind of guy, to where he's always in the mix, always going to catch the ire of opposing fans, they're going to make signs on him, I mean, you look what they uh, do to him in Colorado already, they boo, boo the crap on him, I think he's Tyler Bertuzzi's son. Uh, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, but people, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi has a lot of hateability in him that has yet to be unlocked. And I'm excited to see what happens when it is. Now, what did you think about the Robbie Fabry thing where he crashed into our old friend, Peter Morazic, who was in the wrong there? Morazic had two feet firmly in the crease, but we were watching the game and you kind of. Okay. So when somebody's doing that to me, it's, I'm not going to stand straight up and face him and like you can see him you saw him take a step out and say nope this is you're not allowed in here like if if somebody's flying the way fabry is and you're gonna put yourself in that situation to get hit like it was peter's own stupidity like i get that like hey this is my crease you're not supposed to be in here Mm -hmm. but this guy's flying like i i wouldn't do that and you don't really see goalies do that that often because that's what happens to you well i'm just trying to think like okay was peter morazic just being a smart goalie i don't know if you want to call that smart i mean if you want to if you you're want drawing to just, a if, penalty i know if you if you want to look at it with like the x's and o's and stuff like that but i just i guess i just don't think it's a good look yeah and i and like well and i was just kind of playing devil's advocate there too but i guess the other side of it is like i guess i don't ever realize like Surely, if he was coming in with that much speed, skating right through the crease, he had confidence to do that, and like it's a a thing that I don't ever pay attention to, so i it's hard for me to kind of understand if that's just if players are skating through the crease all the time or if that was just a one off thing that players don't do a lot, and you know Fabry's in the wrong or if or if skating through the crease is just kind of one of those unwritten rules where it's like, hey, we won't mess with you, you don't mess with us. Well, usually what you see is a goalie will just skate out, like just see cut out a solid foot, you know, and then he's just either standing there. He could be some goalies are hunched over, some goalies, you know, they'll either just stand there and make eye contact or not make eye contact, but just stay in the lane of the person that's in front of the net or sliding through. Mm-hmm. So like it, it's not something as blatant as nope, this is. It's like he was setting a pick for no like. For the defenseman behind the net. Yeah. You, you never really see it that aggressive. You never do. And, yeah, I don't know. Fabry must have seen him, and he was skating so fast, and he goes, all right, well, you're going to get hit, because I'm, what do you want me to do right now? Yeah, and I also wonder if, like, yeah, if he was in, he, I'm sure he was anticipating him getting out of the way, and then it reached a point where he wasn't going to, and trying to avoid it would have just ended up hurting them both a little bit more, so he just decided to, to crush him. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I mean, he hit him too, and like the way, you, like Peter didn't get up, like, oh, I can't believe it. Like he literally just got up and like, well, I knew that was gonna happen, and then yeah. he just went and skated, <laughs> and he went and got a drink. I like that part. Yeah, same here. And he was like, well, yeah, I did that on purpose. That's what I love is when, uh, I mean, like it's, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, you, if you want to call it shady, if you want to call it bush league, if you want to call it like whatever. But I love when I love when guys do that. And By the way, I'm like, I'm not calling that like unsportsmanlike or anything like he's using the rules to his advantage yeah you know but like if you're gonna i want everybody to know that if you don't see goalies doing that ever because that's what happens when they do Mm -hmm. but like you mentioned i love that he uh 
I love that he just got up and was like, yeah, I was doing that to draw a penalty. It was uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for sticking up yeah, for me, team. <laughs> thanks for the two minutes. Uh, and then that was that was to me what produced maybe Bertuzzi's best moment of the game was when he was just kind of like walking down Vincent Trocheck as Trocheck was being escorted to the bench. Like nobody nobody had Bertuzzi. He was he wasn't even really chirping him. He was just kind of lazily talking at him while just being like, "Oh, I hope you know the ref lets you go because I want to fight you." It's like it was like he was just skating along with him just to listen to what Trocek had to say because Trocek was giving it to him too. Yeah, I'll hear you out. And he's like, yeah, and he skated all the way to the be- to Carolina's bench, and then he just went over to yeah, just Detroit and got off, yeah. and then he just stood in the tunnel and like watched the rest of the game until the puck dropped. The guys, I swear to God, the guy's grocery shopping in his head. I know. He's thinking putting together his list for the week. It's hilarious. He's thinking maybe I'll just like call up Hello Fresh. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, just a last bit of business to get to today. I do want to talk about Steve Eiserman's Q&A with Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic. Brought that up at the beginning of the show. Um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Steve Eiserman did not say much in this uh, extensive Q&A with Lebrun. I think that is kind of par for the course. He said, basically, it, most of Steve Eiserman's interviews are going to go like this. Hey, Steve, you uh, you don't have a very good team right now. That's... That's got to be frustrating, but you're optimistic, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, the team's not doing very good right now, but we're trying to get a little bit better. And they say, okay, how do you get better? Or what? do you have a timeline for that? And then he says, these things are impossible to predict or something along those lines. And then they say, how are you going to get better? And then he says something about acquiring assets. It's whatever. It's GM speak. It's it's. It is what it is, and it's not like he's lying or putting on a face or anything like that. It's the like, biz. It's the biz. It, it is what it it's is. It's how he trades Jacob Rose for Robbie Fabry. This, <laughs> this is how you have to be if you want to get those trades, okay? Absolutely. You're not going to get a mouthy GM, but you are going to get, you know, he's, he's a he's a silent killer. So, uh, but I did want to, so LeBron asked him kind of about the importance of Grand Rapids playing in the playoffs and maybe how that affects the what he wants to do with guys in terms of calling them up uh, and stuff like that. We've talked extensively about Mo Sider and whether or not, you know, the Wings were going to bring him up throughout the season. Uh, and this is what he had to say on Grand Rapids making the playoffs. He said, quote, we'd like to protect GR as much as possible. So we picked up Cody Golubev and play him when need be, and that allows us to leave guys in Grand Rapids. Having said that, we've used two recalls. We've called guys up for a specific need. We go back and forth on it, honestly. We felt we needed someone to help our power play, so we bring Dennis Chalowski up, and then GR is struggling a bit, and we have a break. We send him down. So it's a bit of a juggling act. We want to help Grand Rapids win, or we want to help Grand Rapids, but we also want to be competitive up here in games. We don't want to get killed every night. Uh, it does confirm our our preconceived notions about kind of the way that he was structuring things in regards of the call-ups and the, the assignments and stuff like that. Yeah, there's really not much you can do. I mean, good for Grand Rapids. I hope they make the playoffs. Yeah, but you got like he said, it's a bit of a, ju- a juggling act. You got to you know keep your team competitive up here. You can't just send Chalowski, Lindstrom, you know everybody down and just say sorry guys, you're the worst team in hockey for a reason. Stick it out. Get Brian Lashoff up here. <laughs> I want to see Brian Lashoff in a Red Wings jersey again. See, but Brian Lashoff is helping the the Grand Rapids Griffins make the playoffs. That veteran presence, let me tell you. 1984 draft pick Brian Lashoff. Career NHL or career Detroit Red Wing, Brian Lashoff. 
Uh, other other quote that I thought was interesting, he was asked about his return for Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, he said, quote, if AA goes out and scores 40 goals for the Oilers next year, you know, you would argue that two second-round picks weren't enough. But I have to make that decision today. What What's he going to be for us next year, and how much am I going to pay him? I had to make a decision on what I knew today. Ultimately, I felt two second-round picks were very helpful in what we're trying to do. I mean, I was fine with two second-round picks. Because he's hot. No, I'm not singing. I'm not singing. He's hot sometimes, and then for like 30 oh, games, you were gonna, he's Oh, you're going to sing Katy Perry. I want, you I, should I hate. I can't look at my... If there was a mirror in front of me, I would avoid eye contact with myself. Because you almost started singing Katy Perry on a podcast? Yeah, I had a good day today. Did I'm you? You can go ahead. I'm in a good mood. Our listeners won't care. I don't I wanna, think they'll enjoy it. I don't it. want to. You're hot and you're cold. Stop. You're yes and you're no. We fight, we break up, we kiss, we make up. All right. That was really good. We might get trademarked for that. We, this 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 might get removed from Apple Podcasts because that was so good. I it sounded so it. close to the original. That's awful. <laughs> uh, you know, just in talking about this first line and the type of players and the type of teammates that they are I almost wonder if Steve Eiserman was willing I now don't get me wrong Steve Eiserman every move he's made extremely shrewd but at the same time I almost wonder if he was just like looking to get rid of him so he doesn't affect the culture in a negative way I don't I don't like speculating on this because I'm not like you know, I have nothing to do with this team. Yeah. But but there's there are certain things you read and certain, you know, stories you hear about people and from other you know, from people that are maybe this he didn't fit in with the culture that the Red Wings are trying to build. Mm-hmm. And with Eisman having a year to build or to see what this team is made of and who how these players act. I mean, if he's not going to fit, he's not going to fit. And if he's not comfortable, like he said, having to pay him, you don't know if Athens see you. He went to arbitration. Like, you know, so I'm, there's, there's, I know this is essentially his last year of restri- restricted free agency and he's not going to sign, you know, a six, seven year deal. He's going to ask for $5 million and he's going to say, sign me for two years. And then that's, and then he can walk for nothing. Yeah, and I think there's a sense of, like, there's better things that he could be doing with his time than trying to figure out what to do with Andreas Athanasiu over the offseason. I, I think he has bigger plans for this team than, you know, having Athanasiu, who's hot and cold, you know, can score goals, but if he's not on the line with the right people, which Arzman could know that he's not going to have for another two years. Mm-hmm. players that he can consistently play with. Yeah. So it's you got to completely understand that where Eisman is coming from in this how many draft picks he has, he knows what he has in prospects, he knows what he has in the AHL. So he's building towards something and if Anthony just didn't fit those plans, he didn't fit those plans. So you're going to get rid of that player for whatever you can and for as much as you can. And he got two second round picks that, you know, with the way the Oilers are, that could be a second high second round pick next year. You got no idea. Right, yeah, it, that, that's a very good point too. Is the Oilers and and if it's Ken Holland versus Steve Heiserman, I'm gonna say Steve got the better side of the deal. Yeah, obviously, eternal optimism. 
eternal optimism. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's all I had today. I just thought those two uh, those two comments were interesting. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't done that already at lo underscore Red Wings, uh, and then follow me on Twitter at Nolan Bianchi, and then Ethan at Ethan Smith. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. We're going to be doing a special coronavirus podcast on Friday, and while we have made fun of the coronavirus at times, uh, I mean that in the most non-tongue-in-cheek yeah ever. pierre Maguire was right we we really messed up on this one guys <laughs> yeah it's all over the place now there's no stopping it there's no cure people are dying yeah less outside of china but people are still dying so we'll Hug wait. your neighbors <laughs> pets can get it this isn't a joke anymore pets can get it you know that right i did not know that a pet got it well didn't a bat have it originally wasn't that the first one yeah right. some chinese person sense. and ate a bat out of soup that's crazy. And they got a virus that nobody's ever had <laughs> oh before. Oh my goodness, I just coughed. What if the podcast listeners are affected? Well, you know, it incubates in your system for between 2 and 14 days, so anybody can have it right now and nobody knows. Yep. Shit. So yeah, we'll have some updates on <laughs> for you on that, just what it means for the league. Uh, you know, Columbus has already, with the uh, mandate from the governor of Ohio, I think it was today, uh, they won't have any fans at their next game on Thursday night. Uh, the Bay Area out in California, they kind of did the same thing. No large gatherings of 3,000 people. And the Warriors uh, of the National Basketball Association. Can you get really quick, just for funsies, can you give me a prediction for what's going to happen with the coronavirus? I think they'll postpone the seasons. Wow, really? You think so? Yeah. Wow, crap. I think that would be the best possible solution for fans too. Hey, if you guys are, you know, if you guys are diehard Red Wings fans like we think you are, if they play a game in front of nobody, it's going to be amazing to hear the sounds of the game on TV with no audience to make any noises. You're going to hear people swearing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really good time. I I'm eternal optimism. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason. I've been dying to get like people the sounds dying, of the Ethan. game. People are dying. I just want cool. People are dying. I want to hear Dylan Larkin drop an F bomb. Right, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. People are dying, dude. You can't be talking about <laughs> <laughs>